0: Welcome to episode 151 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Krivat, host of The Climate Champions. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at krivatenergyinnovations.com. My featured guest today is Carolina Ortega, Vice President of Sustainability at Milestone Environmental Services, helping customers to see energy waste in a new light partnering with them on carbon sequestration solutions, providing an opportunity to run operations more efficiently and responsibly. Milestone has sequestered almost 3 million metric tons of CO2 since 2014 and is the largest independent energy waste sequestration company in the United States. The Climate Champions is sponsored, in part, by the Gridwise Alliance, uniting grid modernization experts from across the electricity industry The Gridwise Alliance promotes grid innovation for a decarbonized economy. To learn more, visit gridwise.org. Be sure to catch the next episodes of The Climate Champions with Congressman Mike Levin, representative of California's 49th Congressional District. And another special episode following that, my annual GridConnects Live Hot Seat episode with the head of the Office of Electricity, Assistant Secretary of Energy, Gene Rodriguez. He stole the show. On February 28th, be sure to catch a live episode of The Climate Champions from the floor of Distributech International. I'll be interviewing Whit Fulton, CEO at Connector, the one-and-done connection solution for electric vehicles, solar power, and home energy backup. This year, Distributech is February 26th through 29th in Orlando, Florida. I was on the EV Advisory Committee this year, and I can tell you, we have an amazing lineup of presenters. I'm sure the other tracks are also excellent, as always, offering a wealth of education, information, and solutions to drive the transmission and distribution industry forward. And of course, the Expo is truly one of a kind. I'll be doing another video montage this year, interviewing companies that are helping to mitigate climate change. So please look for me and let's catch up. If you haven't registered yet, please use my promo code for a 20% discount at distributech.com. The code is, in all caps, dtpart R T three zero. That's D-T part 30. Carolina is a subject matter expert in sustainability and environmental impact, and has more than 20 years of experience developing corporate-wide sustainability strategies in a variety of industries. She has pursued her passion for global sustainability in six countries and speaks four languages. Welcome to the Climate Champions. I'm Lee Crevat and I'm here with Carolina Ortega, Vice President of Sustainability at Milestone Environmental Services. Carolina, welcome to the Climate Champions.
1: Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you. I have used the term carbon sequestration many a time, hundreds of times. But I have never had somebody that is an expert in it on my podcast. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you and all your listeners about it and share some of my knowledge. I am more of a sustainability expert, so I can tell you a lot about how carbon sequestration helps climate change. Just a heads up that I'm not a geologist. So all the technicalities of how the carbon stays underground and all the mechanics and the technology about it may be a little bit harder for me to explain, but I'm going to try my best.
0: But I read your website and I know that it stays there.
1: It stays there for sure, forever. So that is the beauty of the technology and the promise that it brings for a really great and permanent solution for the energy transition.
0: Can you talk about your motivating moment? What engaged you in sustainability and climate change?
1: In sustainability, doing this field since 2000, actually, when I was in graduate school. At that time, we didn't even call it sustainability. The idea of climate change was this like vague idea in everybody's mind. And I just had the privilege of going to graduate school with some really great professors that made me understand the importance of company or corporate action to address important social and environmental issues that the world was facing. So my journey really started more in just general sustainability, ensuring that companies were respectful of communities, of human rights, of the environment. And then very gradually, as I was in this field, the whole concept and kind of awareness that we were creating irreversible damage to the environment as a society, and that companies had an ability to come up with solutions and implement solutions to reduce global warming. That's when, for me, it was kind of a very gradual and natural transition, but it was also like a call to action, a personal call to action, right? I was in oil and gas already, so I was working for a large well, mid-sized oil and gas company, we got a lot of questions from shareholders about what we were doing about climate change. And at that time, you know, to be honest, a lot of the executives of that company that doesn't exist anymore today were a little bit skeptical about climate change and the conversations that we had as an executive team. I was not part of the executive team, but I was kind of like the manager in charge of leading these conversations on climate change. We got to the point where I really said, you know what? It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. There is now the expectations from society and communities and other stakeholders that companies do something about it. And so we're going to have to come up with a strategy and a communication platform to demonstrate that we're doing something about climate change just a little bit before that we almost lost a shareholder proposal demanding that we develop a report on our climate change actions and related initiatives so when the executive team saw that shareholders were really interested in seeing that from us you know we got the green light to start working on it and developing a report and all of that so it's a very long answer, but just to say that it's not that a report equals action on climate change, right? It was really just the endpoint of a lot of initiatives that we had at the company and all that. And so since then, I've been working a lot in this space and feel really passionate about it and very grateful that I get to do what I love to do every day.
0: A report alone doesn't help mitigate climate change, as you said, but it's a starting point. And every company has to start somewhere.
1: Absolutely. I like to think of these corporate reports as just a photo. You know, when you do like a family portrait and everybody is like standing there trying to find the right place and trying to find the right pose and find something that really demonstrates what that person has inside their heart and the light in their eyes. That's kind of what companies try to do. They try to show the best Image of themselves. And sometimes my job is also to say, hey, don't forget that we also have these things that we're not doing very well. So we also have to talk about them. But that report demonstrates a lot of action, initiatives, thinking, discussions, conversations that we have internally. And the culmination of them is the report at the end.
0: That's a really great analogy because I think a lot of people take that picture. And then the smiles stop and they go back to the dinner table and they start arguing again. And that's the them most of the time. But that picture on the wall is a reminder of what they can be and how they can be a family.
1: Exactly. You know, I am very, very fortunate to work at Milestone with an incredible team and a a CEO that's really leaning in to trying to be a thought leader in sustainability and all the work that we do at Milestone. So what I love about the reports that we have at Milestone today is that we really try to be thoughtful about the information that we put out there. We try to be very transparent about how we collect the data that we publish, all of that, so that at the end of the report actually adds to the conversation. So maybe that's where I would correct a little bit what I've said before, that it's just a static photo. What we are trying to do at Milestone today is be a part of the conversation and contribute to that public debate. And then, you know, there are a lot of corporate reports and some of the ones that I've worked on in the past with different companies and different teams. I do think that we were more of a just a static photograph, but the sustainability reporting is a journey so think of it as kind of the things that you did when you were much younger that were maybe great but not ideal or or necessarily where you would have wished you were and now where we are today especially at milestone is kind of the the progression of that journey and we're really excited to be able to contribute to this conversation
0: you want to go from a photograph to a movie to where you're constantly being viewed and you're constantly monitoring it.
1: I love that. Yes, we moved from a photograph to a movie. Absolutely. I love that.
0: What motivates you to get up in the morning and do your job? Why are you a climate champion?
1: Oh, there's a lot of things. One is just personal drive, right? I have two young girls and I want them to be global citizens. I want them to take care and be informed about the environment. I want to provide the best world possible for them when they grow up. But then also, for me, the, the on the professional side, I don't know, for better or for worse, it's what I know how to do best. It's what I've been doing for over 20 years. I love to have conversations internally that make us grow. So I don't I don't have all the answers. I rely a lot on my colleagues, the executive team at Milestone and consultants and thought leaders everywhere to try to come up with the right approach for us. But I love to have those conversations and I also think I love to tell stories. And it's not about so here we are again with a the movie theme, but I do like to tell stories, and I like to tell the story of how a company like ours is working really, really hard to improve the way that fossil fuels and oil and gas is brought to enable and energize our world. And we're trying to do our best to ensure that that barrel of oil is as clean as possible. And we do our tiny little part, but it's a very important part in the whole value chain of oil and gas production.
0: A lot of people listening to the podcast are probably thinking we shouldn't have oil and we shouldn't create that carbon. But the fact of the matter is, it's going to be a long time before we get to a carbon-free world. And until that time, we have to figure out what we're gonna do. And I think it's important to look at all solutions, all arrows in the quiver.
1: Absolutely, I agree with you. I understand people who believe that we should not have oil and gas. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are working really hard to make sure that that happens. What Milestone does is really focus more on the fact that there is oil and gas production and that it's an important contributor to the way that we live and development and it helps people live better. But what we do is two really important solutions. On one side, when you think of all the oil and gas companies that are producing and exploring for oil on shore in the United States, specifically in Texas where we have our operations, there's waste to oil and gas production and exploration. That waste takes the form of this really thick mud. We call it slurry. And in that slurry, there's a lot of hydrocarbons on there. In Texas, you will be, and many of your listeners will be floored, but it is legal to spread that waste on land and let all the hydrocarbons on that waste essentially turn into greenhouse gas emissions. So what Milestone does with its proprietary technology is essentially we tell all of our customers, bring your waste to us. We take out all the heavy solids from it, and then we take that slurry and we reinject it back into deep, deep wells. So, all of those hydrocarbons that are in the slurry are essentially sequestered and kept underground forever. That is really important because they're no longer out there, right? Turning into greenhouse gas emissions. That is one of the solutions that we provide at Milestone. The other one in our subsidiary Milestone Carbon, we are working to develop carbon sequestration hubs. Essentially, all of the big industrial emitters, not just oil and gas producers, but cement companies, power companies, just all these different type of industrial emitters can send us their carbon and we will sequester it deep underground in the shell formations and keep it there and store it. So what we will do is enable these companies and emitters to essentially function in a much cleaner way. You know, all that carbon is gonna be stored instead of putting it out there to become greenhouse gas emissions. Those are the two solutions that we provide. Our motto is we clean up energy. If there's an opportunity for us to continue to have energy from oil and gas, we're just ensuring that it's done in a clean and responsible way. And that's what we do. And we're really proud of it.
0: One way I'm imagining that you could sequester that carbon is to do it at the site where it's happening. But I don't know that every place would have a site like that. The other would mean you have to transport the carbon to a site that you have, a central site. How is that done? How is that transported?
1: It's transported in pipelines, and there's a lot of community concern on the safety of these pipelines. There are people that believe that they could explode or that they could leak, but they are actually the safest way to transport. These pipelines essentially have been refined, and the technology behind them makes them a transportation method that is the safest one around. We've heard of trains derailing with toxic waste. We wouldn't want to do that, right? So the beauty of the projects that Milestone wants to bring online is that they are relatively small in scale, meaning we will be in areas surrounded by industrial emitters so that we're not talking about hundreds of miles of pipeline. We're talking about tens of miles of pipeline. And we build it so that all of the emitters can send us their carbon and then we store it and sequester it.
0: I'm really excited to hear that answer because I was afraid that it was maybe trucked or something, and it seemed to me it would produce a whole bunch of carbon in the transportation. And these are actually like opposite the pipelines that people normally think about which are bringing in fuel of some type, this is actually taking out the waste. It's like the part of your plumbing at home that takes it out. So it seems like these pipes are less likely to leak. Is that correct?
1: Yes, it's correct. They're incredibly safe. The amount of due diligence, planning, and monitoring that takes place. So before they're built, while they're built, and after they're built is of the highest, highest level. First of all, you wouldn't be able to get a permit to build it if you didn't plan it well. But then all the regulatory requirements are such that companies also have to monitor the performance of these pipelines and the wells to make sure that the carbon stays in, right? You know, despite how Large the challenge of climate change is today. We are also lucky that we are at a level of technology development and innovation that is allowing us to find great long term solutions for all of this. At Milestone, we have the strongest and utmost commitment to keep people safe, right? And to make sure that the carbon that we store stays in place. And while we're transporting it in pipelines, that it is of the highest safety standards available and that go way above and beyond regulatory requirements as well.
0: Can you talk about your prior experience? How did you get to where you are?
1: I've been doing what I do for 22 years. Before I graduated from grad school with a degree in public affairs and I focused on business and human rights, which at that time was like, what's the connection here? Before that, I was working for the International Committee of the Red Cross in Switzerland during human rights issues. It was incredibly interesting and exciting, but it felt really removed from, you know, quote unquote, the action, right? I wasn't close to that impact that I was hoping to create in the world, in my life, in people's lives. So I moved to the corporate world because in the corporate world, in all the companies that I've worked with, I've never been in a place where somebody says, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. You know, the environment, it doesn't matter, or communities, it doesn't matter. Never, ever have I heard anything like that. Everybody there in all the companies I've worked in have been incredibly committed and interested in creating a positive impact. That's why I I love what I do. I love helping companies figure out where they can be the most useful and impactful in a positive way in communities and for the environment.
0: Can you talk about some setbacks you've had along the way?
1: I think I can be pretty convincing, but earlier in my career, it was hard to have a seat at the table. 22 years ago, not a lot of companies thought about sustainability and climate change the way they do today. So I do know that there were times where I felt like I was, what's the expression, like hitting my head against the wall, you know, just like trying to bring about change and not making it happen. And this is where the setback comes in. I don't think I was helping companies understand how they could be more successful in their business strategy with sustainability. The difference there is, I kept talking about, it is our duty to do things. It is our duty to do well. But at the end of the day, in the United States and the Western world and in most parts of the world, you want companies to make a profit and be successful because when they do that, they continue to bring about goods and services that we all need. So I think this setback was how long it took me to understand That if a company doesn't see how sustainability creates or protects value, then it's not an important business proposition. And so that is what I do today. I try to demonstrate that sustainability makes us a better company and how and all the beneficiaries of that value that we create. So that is one of the biggest setbacks. I'm glad that eventually I feel like I've come to a point where I can talk about value creation in a much better way and and bring about action in companies.
0: Officers of companies, actually everybody at a company, but certainly the CEO and the officers, they answer to the shareholder. So even if personally they want to invest in cleaner technology, climate change mitigation, they have to build that value statement. Or they can't. They can't do their job unless they can find a way to map that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I always say that not all emission reduction programs are created equal. You have to develop your climate related policies or carbon management programs in a way that creates, as I was saying before, creates or protects that value. Are you helping distinguish your brand? Are you creating eco-efficiencies and reducing costs? Or are you creating a program that increases your revenue? And then on the other side, are your sustainability programs protecting your value? Are you you know, working with regulators to bring about regulations that make sense and that are enforceable and implementable? at the same time? Or are you protecting your reputation? So to your point, I see my role as helping the officers to bring that value creation statement to reality and make sure that we are truly helping the company be more successful through our sustainability programs.
0: When you talked about the shareholders at that company you worked for, having a proposition that almost succeeded that forced a plan and more transparency, that that helped move the officers in the right direction. That's why it is so important that people engage because to create that value, some of that value is soft value. In other words, it doesn't necessarily bring more money to the bottom line. What it brings is a good brand, a good reputation of that company And that can only happen with pressure of people and government to make that a value.
1: Yes, I agree. Even in that company, I think that the executive team was very proactive in engaging and very open and transparent about it. At the end, I do think that the shareholders saw that and were able to work with us on bringing about that change. I would encourage anybody working in companies to not be afraid of having that engagement and that dialogue with anyone. May it be high-level institutional shareholders all the way down to employees and communities. Have that conversation. Ask questions. Learn about what people are concerned about and try to figure out a solution that benefits both the company and the other party.
0: Yeah. What is the success that you're most proud of?
1: I am finally in a role in a company that I truly admire and just love to come to work every morning. It hasn't always been the case, and now I see it as part of the journey. Maybe it was luck more than something I did right, but I'm just really proud to be working with a team that truly cares about the way we protect the environment and the work that we do it's almost like those commercials, right it's just you can't put a value on it it makes me proud to come in every single day and do what we do. so it's not just one achievement it's more of this moment in time where I am and with a company with milestone. I just really love my colleagues and working here I sound a little emotional but it it's it's truly, it's just a really wonderful company, and I'm very proud of what we do.
0: That's awesome. When you look at the world twenty, thirty years from now, with regards to the earth and how the climate is, what do you think it looks like?
1: Ooh, I hope it looks better than it is today. I hope that there's a lot more awareness from consumers on their purchasing power. Buy the things, the clothes, the food, the power for your house that you know is being produced responsibly. So, I would love to see that. I would love to see a lot more environmental stewardship from companies, making sure that the way that they do their business leaves the environment in even better shape than they found it when they got there. I would love to see children, I mean, I know that the younger generation is very active and a big advocate of protecting the environment and climate change and moving towards an energy transition, but I would love to see that advocacy just improving, right, and increasing. However, that's all my hopes. I do see that we are behind the objectives of the Paris Agreement to limit climate change to 1.5 or 2 degrees. So I hope that it's a big wake-up call for everybody to try to, to limit global warming so that we stay safe, that the biodiversity that we enjoy today continues and even reverses in the decline that we've seen. But we do all need, all companies, all industries, all countries and all citizens need to really be active and and do something about it.
0: Yeah, I love that. All hours in the quiver and all technologies.
1: Exactly. The technologies. I forgot to add that, but you're absolutely right. And all technologies. Yes.
0: What advice do you have for people that want to help mitigate climate change?
1: The advice I have, and I mentioned it a little while ago, is... Be aware of where you put your money. Make sure that the jeans that you're wearing are produced by a company that is interested in in being more responsible about producing jeans. They are some of the most toxic apparel produced, right? So make sure that you buy responsible jeans. Make sure that when you buy groceries in the grocery store, that you're trying to buy, I know that they're more expensive, but that you're trying to buy organic or responsibly produced fruits and vegetables that protect the the earth. Make sure that if you buy gasoline, that you buy gasoline from a producer that is being responsible about it. Make sure that you are careful with your water. Don't throw away the medications that you're not using anymore. Don't throw them down the toilet. Make sure you go and put them somewhere where they're responsibly managed at the end of of the life cycle. So just try to ask yourself where your impact is in your day-to-day life and try to make a change, a positive change in that. And I do think that one plus one plus one adds to a lot of actions and eventually change. So that's what I would tell people. And if you have investments, if you have shares and all that, you know, make sure you're informed about what the companies are doing to prevent climate change and improve their environmental stewardship.
0: It's interesting that you bring up gasoline. I don't really use it very much anymore. I drive electric. That so is my wife. But I remember for two cents, I would choose a different gasoline. And it seems like two cents isn't worth hurting the environment. And I think most people would agree they would pay a couple of pennies more to go with somebody that really was trying to help more than hurt.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same with your clothes. You know, there's some of the producers of apparel are not responsible about how the dyes that they use, the chemicals, all of that are not good for the environment. So sometimes spending $5 more in a shirt goes a long way than just buying something that you know is all about what they call fast fashion, right? And it's not necessarily produced well, or it's produced by women in Bangladesh making less than a living wage, or by children or a rug by children in some other part of the world, right? So just be informed about your choices and make sure that you you think about where your money goes.
0: It's amazing that you're bringing up fast fashion because a couple of months ago, I interviewed Christian Hansen, who is CEO of a company called Slow Jeans, and I had him on the podcast. And he talks about everything you just talked about and how he is trying to correct every part of that cycle in a cleaner, more environmentally friendly way.
1: Absolutely. That is so important. I think of all of the private schools that make the children wear uniforms. And sometimes they have the formal uniform and the casual uniform and the picture day uniform. And I keep asking, where is all that clothes going? The best case scenario is it's they're hand-me-downs for several generations. Why are we buying all this clothes for our kids? I have a preteen who is starting to love fashion. And I do try to make her aware of where we buy our clothes. And I say, do you want to wear something that was made by somebody who could barely feed their family at the end of that week? And I can tell you, Lee, that she has changed her mind on the apparel that we buy based on that question.
0: Well, you and your daughter should listen to the Christian Hansen episode. I will. (laughs) I'm
1: excited about it. Yes, absolutely, I will.
0: Yeah, he also has dozens of sizes so that you can measure yourself and it's almost like custom made because it's so fine a measurement that he delivers to so I think it's pretty exciting
1: that is great I will listen to it and I'm gonna make my daughter listen my my two daughters listen to it as well
0: do you have any questions for me
1: I would love to hear from all the people that you've talked to what gives you the most hope like what is something that you've heard that makes you feel like oh We're going to be okay in this climate change challenged world.
0: Well, whether I think we're going to be okay or not, it's largely dependent on the most recent conversations that I've had. Mm. Now, talking to you, I feel pretty good, good, but often I don't feel so good. But I would answer that by saying it's really everybody that I've talked to. And I'm not using that to avoid the question. And it just goes on and on the number of topics, the people, the depth the size of those companies and how they're growing, the fact that so many people care and so many people are dedicating their lives or a nice hunk of their lives to this issue, gives me hope that we could somehow turn this around. I will say on the opposite side, all the weather events that we're having and the records that we're setting on temperature are eating away at that hope. I do think it is a race and we're definitely gonna lose the race In some way, there are going to be more and more events that are really bad. Mm -hmm. My hope is that long-term, we can win it.
1: I agree with you. Those weather events do concern me. And, you know, all I can think, maybe it's a bad analogy, but it's like we keep putting our finger in the socket. And one day, we're going to get electrocuted, and we're going to learn our lesson. So hopefully, it's not something that causes... Loss of life or anything, but we do have to be made aware that this is an alarm. This is an urgent call for action, and we all have to do our part.
0: And there are communities in the United States and across the world that would say there already has been tremendous loss of life in their communities. So for them, the electrocution has happened. Yeah. And it's somewhat shocking that those haven't been enough to wake up everybody as to the problem but I guess it has to happen to you or very close to you for you to really wake up, for some people.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, look at the HIV pandemic. I do think that people became very aware that we were in a dangerous path of massive loss of life. And somehow pharmaceuticals rose to the occasion and came up with medication People became aware of how they could protect themselves. Countries made medications widely available. Companies changed their their policies as well to protect their employees. And so now HIV-AIDS is an important and critical illness, but I feel like we dodged the bullet. That's a good example of how society can, can reverse going down, down a horrible cliff.
0: I was going to give a counterexample and talk about how many people didn't get the COVID vaccine or wear masks to help their fellow humans, but without getting political, it did help because a lot of people did get those vaccines. A lot of people wore masks when they needed to, and we are mostly through it. There were a lot of casualties, but it could have been a lot worse.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. So I think that, you know, we still have a big heart, all of us, and we do care about our neighbors and our families. And so hopefully we'll all collectively move the needle in the right direction.
0: I really hope you're right. Is there anything else that you want to say?
1: I'm just really grateful for you to be having these conversations with all sorts of people in all sorts of industries and activities because we help keep each other informed and bring about action and stay hopeful as well.
0: Well, you're very welcome. And on that note, I'm going to wrap this up and wrap it up with a wrap. From an early age, real change, you were recording. And that's why with some companies, you have to start with reporting. With regards to climate change, you want people to invest you have two girls and you want them to live in a world that is best. It's legal to spread this stuff, so we have to act in a hurry. You have technology to get rid of slurry about carbon transportation. Some people want to gripe, but you make it safe because you use a well regulated pipe. You want a more sustainable and an environment that is greener. Thank you so much, Carolina.
1: Oh, my goodness. I love that. Thank you so much, Lee. That was brilliant. I loved it. Thank you so much. You've made my day.
0: It was great hearing Carolina's passion for working for Milestone. I know for many people focusing on mitigating climate change, It's difficult hearing about support for the oil and gas industry, but these companies are going to be around for a while. Reducing their environmental impact is important. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, visit my website at com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe, rated five stars if you're an Apple user, and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. And again, please join me at Distributech in Orlando on February 28th for a live episode. Don't forget the 20% discount code DTPART30, and that's all caps. Carolina's advice to be aware of where you put your money is a great way to reduce your carbon footprint. Many industries have companies investing in reducing emissions. Google Travel even lists the impact of each choice of flight. And a while back, I interviewed Lizzie Horvitz, co-founder of Finch, where they rate different products using an extension to Amazon. Check out choosefinch.com for more information. But like Carolina said, if we all try to be more aware, we can all help to mitigate climate change.